KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning. I'm Eric Anderson in for Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, December 26th. There are San Diego links to the January 6th insurrection. More on that coming up next. But first, let's do the headlines. COVID and flu cases were trending down right before the holiday weekend in San Diego County. And the amount of RSV cases also continuing a steady decline. That's good news. But San Diego County's public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten, says we don't know yet what will happen over the holidays. In past years, she says we have seen surges in all three respiratory viruses. So once we get on the other side of the uh, new year, hopefully, and and we know hope is not a strategy, but we uh, anticipate that those numbers would continue to decline. Last December, the amount of COVID in San Diego wastewater was spiking up. This year, officials say it's on a downward trend. The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl game is happening this Wednesday. The University of Oregon will be playing the University of North Carolina at Petco Park. The bowl game will be the first football game ever played at the stadium. It will be the first Holiday Bowl played since the pandemic began. A federal judge has ruled that two movie fans, one of them from San Diego, can allege false advertising against Universal Pictures in a lawsuit. They say the studio tricked them into renting the 2019 film yesterday. The romantic comedy's trailers featured actress Anna de Armas, but she was not in the movie. The class action lawsuit is seeking $5 million for the fans who were deceived. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. There are San Diego links to the House Select Committee's report on the January 6th insurrection. KPBS reporter Amitha Sharma has more. The newly released report mentions five-time failed San Diego political candidate Peter Navarro. He was also former President Trump's economics advisor. Navarro refused to testify before the House Select Committee and turn over documents related to January 6th. He is awaiting a criminal trial for contempt. The report also cites SDSU grad Christina Bob as one of the Trump lawyers who went along with the, quote, baseless and extreme claims of election fraud. And the report notes that San Diego-based One America News Network ran a segment stating that Dominion voting systems had switched votes from Trump to Biden in the 2020 election. The network is facing a defamation lawsuit from Dominion. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News. California is facing a statewide shortage of police officers, and rural departments stand to feel the squeeze the most. CalMatters reporter Nigel Duara has been following the story and says there is a pecking order to California law enforcement. 
There's big departments at the top, like LA and San Francisco. And then there's little ones, like in far Northern California, Tehama County. And what Tehama County says is they can't afford to keep their own people because LA and San Francisco and other departments come in and pay more. So they are going through a staffing shortage that's led them to stop all daytime patrols in the county. So they've been hit hard, and it's indicative of a larger trend that could honestly be coming to rural departments across the state where they're losing people and they're not getting new people. So this is all happening at a time when there's already a lot of disillusionment around policing, especially with young people, and there's fewer people who are interested in work as police officers. That was Cal Matters' Nigel Duara. This year, the number of new officers certified in California is the lowest it's been in a decade. The San Diego Sheriff's Department is creating a process to test for more than 100 intoxicants because when people drive under the influence, it can be for more than just alcohol. KPBS SciTech reporter Thomas Fudge has more. It leaves half of all drivers arrested for DUIs have more than one drug in their system. So says Jennifer Harmon, director of the San Diego Sheriff's Department Crime Lab. She says blood tests show there are many things that can make someone dangerous behind the wheel. You know, the most common drugs that we find um, in individuals who are stopped in addition to alcohol is cannabis, methamphetamine, cocaine, fentanyl. We also um, see Xanax, which is a prescription medication. She says a million-dollar state grant will help her crime lab ramp up blood testing to determine what's making people impaired. Harmon says by summer next year, they also want to bring all their toxicology tests in-house to their lab. Blood tests can require a warrant, sometimes when a stop driver refuses to submit to a blood test or a breathalyzer. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. Coming up, we'll revisit one of our favorite stories from this year about two locals documenting the history of surfing in Mexico. We'll have that story and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. A local program has given out 400 e-bikes and will soon go statewide. But as iNews Source investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman explains, it is struggling with low participation. Pedal Ahead has been distributing e-bikes across San Diego County since 2020. And next year, with the help of a $10 million grant, it will expand to the rest of California. But iNewsource found many riders aren't logging enough miles to meet the program's rules. And despite claiming to prioritize residents who make less than $50,000, some participants work in local government with salaries surpassing that. Pedal Ahead says it takes in other factors beyond income and is working to improve mileage. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource investigative reporter Jennifer Bowman. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Families across San Diego County this weekend have been opening gifts, and the spirit of giving 
has extra meaning for some San Diegans. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says one of the region's toy drives brought some gifts right to people's doorsteps. Tis the season for family, food and gifts, but not all San Diegans are able to afford the cost of the holidays. 19-year-old Lamar Kennedy Jr. decided something needed to happen. Me and my team, Lion Maid Entertainment, got together and we decided to do a toy drive this year for, the, uh, for Christmas for less fortunate kids. They dug into their own pockets to buy a wide range of gifts and then got some more from some local organizations. Then they put them into some customized toy bags for kids of all ages and delivered them right to people's homes. Kennedy lost his own father back in 2014. Uh, he was an entrepreneur. He was murdered in his business. But uh, growing up with entrepreneur parents, they always taught us to, you know, be ambitious. And when you get in a position to where you're blessed and you can give back to give back. So uh, just taking that negative and turning it into a positive, that's what, that's what we're doing here today. Kennedy Jr. says they promoted the toy drive on social media and got a bigger response than expected. They were able to provide the toy bags for roughly 80 kids throughout San Diego County. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Encinada is the birthplace of Mexican surfing. It has a rich history that not many people know about. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis talked with two local surfers trying to preserve and spread that history in a story we first brought you in September. The Baja coast has always had amazing waves, but when Ignacio Felix was growing up in Ensenada during the 1960s, surfboards were a rare commodity. Nosotros de vez en cuando veíamos un americano llegar a Ensenada con una tan en el techo. Felix says that it wasn't like it is today in Ensenada, where surfboards are everywhere. He'd only see them whenever American tourists with boards strapped to the roof of their cars came to town. Felix was among a group of curious children who spent hours at the beach just sitting there on the sand watching the surfers catch waves. As he grew older, Felix's curiosity turned into a passion, and he became one of the original co-founders of the Baja Surf Club, which was the first official club in Mexican history. He remembers being totally starstruck when surfing legends he'd only seen on magazine pages came to Ensenada for a contest that he helped organize. Figuras como Mike Doyle, eh, Mickey Muñoz, David Nueva, hasta Mickey Dora llegó. By the time Pete Torres first picked up a board in the 1970s, surfing was becoming more popular in Mexico, but it still had a stigma. He says that it was mostly associated with long hair, hippies, and drugs. Si tú le decías a tu mamá, voy a empezar a surfear, tu mamá, no, es un deporte de vagos, son marihuana, o sea, era muy mal visto. Mexico has thousands of miles of coastline and several world-class surf spots. Thanks to these natural gifts, it also has a rich surf history, full of adventurers who discovered new waves and evangelized the sport down the country's Pacific coast. They also fought a federal government that didn't want them around. But that rich history is not well known. Torres and Jesus Salazar are trying to change that. They started documenting the origins of Mexican surfing through a podcast and Instagram page called Memorabilia del Surfing Mexicano. And that's like the main objective, you know, like to talk about uh, surfing culture, Mexican surfing culture, and to start to give it uh, an identity to Mexican surf, because there is none. The project has taken them to famous beaches of Mazatlán, Guerrero, Oaxaca, and Nayarit. They've tracked down historic photographs and interviewed the pioneers of Mexican surfing. It's amazing to see, to hold the history in your hands. Torres and Salazar say that one of the most important moments in Mexican surf history happened in 1970. 
Felix and other members of the Baja Surf Club performed well at the 1968 World Championships in Puerto Rico. They put on a bid to host the tournament in 1970. Against all odds, they were awarded the bid ahead of surfing heavyweights like Australia and South Africa. Felix says nobody expected them to actually get the World Championship. The governor of Baja California and the mayor of Ensenada just couldn't believe it. Como que nos apoyaron creyendo que éramos, eh, pues, unos chamacos que estaban medio locos, que no íbamos a traer nada, y de pronto aquí está el mundial. The event was going to put Mexican surfing on the map, but the cultural upheaval of the late 1960s was in full swing. Woodstock had just made international headlines. The Mexican government wasn't interested in a south-of-the-border version of that chaotic scene. So they canceled the contest. Pero el gobierno mexicano dijo, no queremos que Ensenada se convierta en un lugar en donde los hippies de California vengan y lo adopten. Felix says the government didn't want Ensenada to become a campground for California hippies. But that decision derailed the development of competitive surfing in Mexico. Mexican surfers would not go to another world championship until 1988, the year Torres was on the team. Salazar says that it's very important for those who live the history to tell their own stories. Americans have come a lot and, and made all kinds of stories about surfing in Mexico, and they tell very little about Mexicans. We feel it's important to get stories about Mexicans out there, you know, we think it's very important. And their efforts are starting to pay off. Salazar and Torres helped research an article on Acapulco surf culture for the latest edition of the Surfer's Journal. They see that collaboration with one of the biggest surfing magazines in the world as recognition of the important work that they're doing. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. At 68, Japan's Godzilla is nowhere near ready for retirement. The iconic monster that was born out of an atomic blast is poised for a cinematic rematch with Kong in 2024. Plus, he's the topic of a new coffee table book. In an excerpt from the Cinema Junkie podcast, KPBS resident Godzilla fan and arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with author Graham Skipper about Godzilla, the official guide to the King of Monsters. Graham, you have just written a book, Godzilla, The Official Guide to the King of the Monsters. Now, before we talk about the book, I just want to find out, how did you fall in love with Godzilla? So when I was a kid, my grandparents lived out in the country, and they had one of those gigantic satellite dishes in the backyard. And my grandparents had one of these, and so they got HBO. And I would turn on HBO and watch movies all day. And I remember very specifically, I, I can't remember how old I was, eight or nine probably, and they were showing some movie on HBO, but the ad for the upcoming movie was King Kong versus Godzilla. King Kong versus Godzilla, heading for their colossal collision, shattering every obstacle that stands between them in the most fantastic rampage of annihilation ever recorded on film. I had seen neither movie, but I knew, of course, who King Kong was. I knew who Godzilla was. I was definitely a monster kid. I was into monsters. And I thought, well, obviously I'm going to like this movie. So I stayed. I watched King Kong vs. Godzilla. Totally fell in love. King Kong vs. Godzilla, it was my gateway. Uh, still one of my favorites. I mean, objectively, maybe not one of the best of the movies, but it holds a very special place in my heart. And what can people expect from this book? 
so you know when I was growing up I the thing that got me into monsters in general was my parents had bought me a picture book that had all the different monsters in it. What it did was it basically went through and it told like a brief history of every character and then had a bunch of really beautiful pictures of them. And so when offered the opportunity to write this book, I said, I want to write the Godzilla book for that kid. I want to write a Godzilla book where a kid who's eight, nine, ten gets this book and opens it up and this whole world is just presented before them. You know, when they're done watching the movies, they can go back, they can read the book, they can learn more about how the movie was made. And that, that to me, I just found so inspiring personally, as a kid growing up with a book like that, that the thought of having a book like that for others uh, was really exciting. And, and of course, it's not just for kids. I mean, this is something that there's a lot of interesting information that I found through my research. It's all out there, but this is uh, the first time that everything has really been contained into one single really beautiful sort of collectible edition. Well, as a longtime fan of Godzilla and someone who's collected far too much stuff, I just loved the book. And the photos are so amazing. And you pulled out some stuff that I've never seen before. So what was it like going through the Toho archives and trying to select what you wanted to put in the book? I mean, it was incredible. You know, so Toho offered us the the rare opportunity to just have total free access to their photo archives. So this included, uh, you know, behind the scenes stills. It included, you know, stills from the films that were really high quality, really beautiful. It included publicity stuff, some really cool, some of my favorite stuff are some of the lobby cards that are in there that are uh, these sort of amalgams of like different shots from the films in sort of an artistic way. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically like I would just go through and my day was I would get up, I would watch a movie and then I would write a draft of a chapter about it while doing like research and, and all of that. And then I would go through that film's folder in the photo archive and I would just pick out, you know, the shots that spoke to me. And at a certain point, I mean, I had way too many pictures picked, you know, and I'm sending it to the publisher and they're like, we don't have this many pages, you know, <laughs> we can't include all of these. So it was a matter of trying to go, okay, well, what have I not seen before? What are some of the most iconic shots? Again, keeping that kid in me in mind, like, what's the picture that's going to really send me through the roof here? You know, what's that shot of King Ghidorah that I'm going to be super stoked about? And just trying to pick those out, I mean, it was almost impossible. There was a ton more in there that, you know, we just couldn't include due to space. Um, but I think that we picked some really cool stuff. And I mean, I especially love, you know, even just the poster images. So at the beginning of every chapter, we have the Japanese poster for for the film. And and I even just those, I, I love. You know, they're so expressive and dynamic. Very different from what American posters are. And so I'm really glad that we got to include all those. Uh, yeah, the, the pictures are just astonishing. And, it's, and they're so high quality. I mean... You know, you've seen in the book, I mean, some of these are, are huge, two full page, you know, spreads and the, the quality is just pristine. So so we were really, really lucky to have that opportunity to, to, to go through those archives and, and just sort of take whatever we wanted. That was author Graham Skipper speaking with KPBS's Beth Accomando. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Eric Anderson. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.